We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. The Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media. We are partnered with 440 Sports. Be sure to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Justin Mello just dropped his top 100 big board on Wednesday earlier this week. And speaking of Justin Mello, that's my co-host. How you doing, Justin? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to talk ball with you. This is my third show of the night. Uh, people won't wow. know that, obviously, because they'll be released on different days. But I actually haven't stopped since about two and a half hours ago. So I literally finished one, jumped into the other, finished that one. And now I'm jumping into my own, which is of course the Music City Audible with yourself. So I'm excited to continue talking ball tonight, man. Heck yes, me too. My name is Justin Graver and we'll be driving this ship tonight. What we got in store for you on this episode is first, we're going to do news and notes as usual, things that have happened in the last week. We'll be quick on that. And then we're going to play an interview I conducted with former Titans tight end, Ben Troop who played for the Titans from 2004 to 2007. And after that, Justin and I are going to do a seven-round Titans mock draft. We're going to do it uh, quote-unquote live, so we're going to do it together. We're each going to make a selection, and at the end of that, we'll compare our draft classes and see who had the better haul. So let's start out with some news. The Jadeveon Clowney era in Tennessee is over. Moment of silence for what was truly one of the greatest eras in the Titans defense football. I'm so glad we don't have to hear I don't have to hear about him anymore. What was up with that shade he threw at the time? I mean, he threw some major, major shade at Tennessee when this was a quote that was floating around Twitter after his introductory press conference where he said something like they asked him why he decided to join Cleveland and he said, Well, you guys are winners, right? You won twelve games last last year. That's more than the team I played for. And Titans fans are like, more than the team you played for? Like, you didn't, you hardly played for the Titans, bro. Like, what are you even talking about? But they might have won 12 games if you were healthy the whole year. You know what I mean? But uh, also, the Browns only won 11 games in the regular season. Sure, they won a playoff game, whatever. It's 12 games. But um, yeah, so Clowney, I was one of the biggest drivers of the Clowney hype train of anyone. And it ended in utter disappointment, like most things in life. <laughs> right. It's a valuable lesson to be learned there. Um, yeah, the shade was interesting, you know, because I don't know if that was just, you know, friendly banter and he didn't think it was a big deal. Or the, a lot of times people don't realize these guys are sensitive, man. I'll tell you, NFL players are sensitive and they read your comments and they, they, they pay more attention than sometimes they let on. They're not going to respond to everything, but they do read what's said about them. I imagine Clowney's social media mentions haven't been great. Right before his tenure as a Titan, even before, right? I mean, and look, I don't think he deserves, you know, he's not Isaiah Wilson. I don't think he deserves people to jump on social media and, and say all this, you know, nasty shit about him because he got hurt. You know, it's part of football. It happens, unfortunately, right? And I know he's been injury prone, yada, yada, but he's not, again, he's not Vic Beasley. He didn't come here and quit. So I don't think he deserves for people to jump on social media, you know, and, and during the season and say, clowny this, clown, but I'm sure it happened. Because that's that unfortunately, there's a lot of fans out there for guys underperforming, 
they think that gives them right to go on social media and talk shit about them. So I would almost guarantee you that he probably dealt with some shit from Titans fans because he didn't live up to expectations because he got hurt. And maybe that's why he threw some shade at them uh, in, in the conference. But it is what it is. I'm, I'm glad the era is gone. It's over with. We can move on to, to players who are probably going to be healthier and more productive in a Tennessee jersey. And Cleveland gave, man, I know it's only one year, but I, I don't know. This guy's got the best agent in the league. I don't understand how he keeps getting teams to pay him this much money, right? When he just hasn't been all that productive, right? Like the fact that the guy barely played this past season, had no sacks. I can't believe he got the money that he got in Cleveland. I, I can't believe it. I thought he was going to get half of that probably. So it is what it is. People keep betting on Javion Cloud. And I, I feel, I don't want to say I feel bad for Cleveland because maybe it'll work out, but you'll know where I'm coming from. All the comments I read on Twitter and, and stuff from the fan base, it sounds a lot like Titans fans right after they signed him, right? They thought they were in for the Super Bowl and he's going to be the best defensive player ever and yada, yada. And we'll see if it works out the same way as it did in Tennessee or maybe like unlike most things in life, maybe it won't end in disappointment for Cleveland. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, just to touch on because you mentioned his contract there. So what he signed was well, a one-year deal worth up to $10 million with five voided years. So his cap hit in 2021 is only $3.9 million, which is, you know, pretty low. But then if he like he's not gonna be on the team in 2022 unless they re-sign him to an extension or something. His cap hit for 2022 is 3.6 million and then 2.7 million the next year and then 1.8 million the next year and then 900,000 the next year. So this guy is gonna be counting against Cleveland's cap for the next five years for a one-year deal, which is crazy. And like does he get five he, sacks in Cleveland? No. Uh, no. So let's put put no. you on the putting you on the spot. He's gonna count towards the cap for five years. Is he gonna get five sacks? <laughs> I mean, not, I don't think I think so. it's a fair question. It, it is a fair question. You know, I heard an interesting theory, not to go too deep on Clowney, but I heard an interesting theory. I think it was Will Brinson on the Pick Six podcast, but it might have been somebody on the Ringer NFL show. Sorry to whoever said this. Clowney plays kind of like a running back. And I mean, there's that famous play from college against Michigan where he blows the dude up right next to Taylor Lewan and, and makes a huge hit in the backfield. But somebody said that Clowney's body, he, he's a really explosive player and a lot of times that explosion is like puts a lot of wear and tear on the body he's really violent and physical he plays super physical he's always crashing into people and colliding into people this guy's been in the league since 2014 maybe his body's just breaking down you run, how, how long is a running back lifespan five to six seven years at, at the most usually so if this guy is breaking down breaking down maybe that's just this is like the breakdown part of his career and you know what i, I mean i think he's gonna get hurt at some point for Cleveland, and that's going to be that. But anyway, let's move on. Let's stop talking about Devon Clowney. We never have to talk about Clowney again until the Titans play the Browns and we're previewing the matchup. Then we'll talk about Clowney. Um, other news. Former Titans running back, Titans legend, I should say, Eddie George has accepted the head coaching job at Tennessee State University. He had his introductory press conference earlier this week. He, he said great things. He seems like a great fit for the program. I think this is awesome news for Eddie. I'm a little sad because I'm kind of, I'm wondering if he's still going to be around to do those video hype videos for the Titans social page that he was so great at and intro videos in the stadium and stuff. Like he was awesome at hyping up, you know, he's a Broadway actor, so he's pretty good at that stuff. But I think this is awesome for Tennessee State. This is probably the most they've ever been in the news in, in the span of a week uh, for, for sports at least. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see Eddie George as a head coach at, in the college ranks. Yeah, you know, I didn't see this coming at all. You know, he seemed to be so thrilled uh, with his career, his post-football career in Broadway. But with this pandemic, you know, maybe he started thinking, you know, when are you going to go on tour again, right, and do Broadway and do plays in front of a live audience? May I bet 
you know, that creeped into his mind. He started thinking about what else he could do. And, and, and good for Tennessee State, because you said it, and a couple of the guys, you know, over at Broadway Sports Media, we've all kind of said it this week. You haven't seen so much talk about Tennessee State on your Twitter timeline ever, you know, as a football program. Until they hired Eddie George, I'm thrilled for him. The staff he's putting together is, is kind of wild. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a good or bad way. I mean, I have no idea, you know, Hugh Jackson, Ray Lewis, Jeff Fisher's son. I mean, this is like... You probably would have guessed a couple of these names if I told you Eddie George is going to become a head coach. Who's he going to hire? You know, we know he's good friends with Ray Lewis. We know he played for Jeff Fisher. So this is super interesting. And apparently Jeff Fisher uh, was on the committee and I think helping him put together a staff and serving as a sounding board, if you will. But I hope it works out for Eddie George. We know he's going to be a great motivator. I think there's no doubt about it. He's going to be, I'm sorry. So Eddie said Jeff Fisher's the one who convinced him to take the job ultimately. Right. Yeah, and I think he's helped him put the staff together, right? He's bounced up some ideas off Coach Fisher. So super interesting. I'm thrilled for him. I think I've probably told the story on the pod, but I met Eddie George a few years ago in Toronto. Probably one of the weirdest places to meet him, right? But it was in my hometown of Toronto, and that was super fun. It was He was super polite, one of the most n- nicest, uh, you know, quote-unquote celebrities, if you will, that I've ever uh, met in person because he was such a nice guy, so polite, uh, terrific guy. Uh, but I'm happy for him. I hope it works out. Hey, I'll be paying a little bit of attention to Tennessee State this year. I normally don't, but I'm going to keep up with them. I want to know how they're doing. And, and Hugh Jackson, that's an underrated hire. I know it's popular to, to talk shit about Hugh Jackson because of how things went in Cleveland. If you remember, you know, everyone suffers from short-term memory loss nowadays. You remember Hugh Jackson before he was head coach in Cleveland. He's a terrific offensive coordinator in Cincinnati. Everybody loved him. Thought he was one of the brightest minds in football, right, from the offensive standpoint. So excited. To, that That's a good land for him. I don't know if that's official or a rumor, but if he is the offensive coordinator for him, that's a great land and let he, a great land for Georgia. Let Hugh Jackson go to the college ranks. I bet he can be very innovative and, 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 and you know, create a, a, a lot of fun on offense. Yeah, and uh, if you guys are interested, I mean, I, I listen to the Huddle and Flow podcast, a part of the NFL podcast network with Steve Weish and Jim Trotter, and they had Hugh Jackson on a few weeks back, and he like o- really opened up about all the shit that went on in Cleveland with like weird owners meddling and talking about how he didn't really get to make draft decisions and stuff like that. And honestly, it's a really interesting podcast. He said on this show. My coaching career is over, obviously. No, I'm, nobody's trying to hire me, right? So what do I have to lose by finally coming out and telling the truth? And he's writing like a tell-all book about what happened in Cleveland too. So I'm and now he's got a job. <laughs> and now he's got a job. How about that, right? Um, all right. Well, that'll pretty much cover the news that's happened. It's been pretty quiet around these parts lately because we're just waiting for the draft to get here, which means we have lots of draft content to talk about. So let's get into our seven-round mock draft right after we bring on our special guest, former Titans tight end, Ben Troops. Let's go to that interview first, and then we'll be back in a second. Okay, let's bring in our guests now. We are very honored to be joined by former Titans tight end, now the host of Pigskin Radio, Ben Troop. Ben, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you doing? Always doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to talk about football with you, tight end specifically, but it is draft season, so we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But before we get into that, tell us what you're up to these days. What are you working on? Uh, blessed enough to be able to work with two great gentlemen, Kevin Thomas and BJ Bennett, on uh, you know, uh, ESPNCoastal.com. Uh, three and out. I'm, 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 I'm the third. I'm the third wheel of this uh, All Star team. <laughs> on, um, you know, uh, you know, you can always follow us at Pigskin Radio. Um, it, it's a blessing, you know, to be able, you know, ESPN Coastal. We on the, we on the, we you know, ESPN Coastal Georgia, to be exact. Uh, just never ever saw myself being being a part of the media, uh, being a media personality. But I'm enjoying it. You know, we we uh, you know uh, we uh, we talk about the Titans. 
uh, in the NFL, obviously, but we talk about the SEC, the ACC, the SOCON, and the Sun Belt. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, everyone out there has got to check that out. You can follow Ben on Twitter at BenTroop84 and uh, at Pigskin Radio is the, the radio show you guys should all be checking out. Um, I'm curious, did you ever, were you ever interested in the, I know the NFL does like media training for, for players to help them transition. Did you, were you ever part of any of that kind of stuff? I wasn't. I, I did know about, um, uh, I think it's called the boot camp, like the media boot camp or something right. like that. I, I actually was living in uh, New Jersey at the time. So I was right across the water from the New York City and uh, the NFL offices. I never ever did anything like that, only because, I guess, because when you go through you go through so much scrutiny as a player, the last thing and take nothing away from the boot camp, I heard is I heard is amazing. Ryan Clark and those guys do a great job. A friend of mine, Max Stark, that I played with at Florida, you know, went through it. I, I think it's definitely a great resource, but I just didn't have the time. Uh, to be able to sit there for, you know, however many days it is for somebody to tell me you can talk like this or sound like that. But um, B.J. Bender, the guy that I'm on the radio with, man, he kind of took me under his wing. I kind of had a uh, kind of like a 10-year, you know, maybe like an eight, nine-year internship, you know, uh, with, the, with the guys I work with now. But um, mm. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to do it. It's, it's to be on this side of the microphone asking the questions instead of answering them is definitely uh, something new for me. But I've been doing it now. For well over about you know five six years, and I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the ride. All right, well, yeah, congrats. I mean, you know, it doesn't sound like you really needed the boot camp, so I think you're okay without it. <laughs> um, let's talk about Johnu Smith because it seems like a lot of Titans fans thought Johnu Smith was one of the more important free agents that they had uh, ready to be a, set ready to be a free agent, and then the Titans never there was never a lot of rumors about them wanting to re-sign him. They could have franchised or transition tagged him. And they did not do so. And then when the free agency tampering period opened, he was like the first major signing to be announced by the New England Patriots. So uh, I'm curious if you think the Titans, what 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 do you think the Titans are losing with a guy like Jonu Smith? And how easy is his production going to be to replace? Because it doesn't seem like they think they'll have much trouble replacing him. They're definitely losing versatility. I mean, Jonu Smith was a guy that was definitely a, a big-time uh, red zone threat, uh, very, very athletic, a guy that didn't have a lot of flaws in his game, to put his hands in the ground. I definitely think he learned a lot under a guy like Delaney Walker, was definitely able to have uh, to take the lead dog role once Delaney Walker decided to move on. I think it just comes down to the price tag. Sometimes, you know, you understood how much money he was going to cost on the open market. I mean, when you look at the salary cap and how much money these guys are generating – I think it was going to just come down to that. And plus, when you got guys that maybe you've, uh, you know, that you've uh, identified maybe in the draft or on your team or free agency, maybe they just had other guys in mind because, you know, when you look at what John Lewis Smith brings to the table, I mean, he don't got to be a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle or, you know, Darren Waller. I think he's just as good. And when you're talking about what the Titans asked him to do, but when you see the price tag, that's always going to be the deciding factor. Right? And And let's face it. Unless the, the biggest, I guess, free agent, uh, you know, uh, emergency or the biggest free agent that had to be taken care of the last couple of years, you know, was Derrick Henry. And I think they can find ways to put guys around Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown. You know, you got some guys to build around on that offense. I did hope they would keep Jonu Smith because he's a rare talent. I think when he goes to New England, you know, him and Hunter Henry, those guys are going to be able to go out there and really make some things happen with him and Cam Newton and those guys. So, I, I hate to see him go, but I understand that the business of football always supersedes everything else. Yeah, I agree. At the end of the day, and the Titans' offense, they obviously use a lot of tight ends, but they're not like 
it's not like San Francisco or Kansas City where they're feeding the targets to the tight ends. They use those guys interchangeably a lot. Anthony Ferkser plays a pretty big pass-catching role, so you can kind of see why that price tag might have been too high for the Titans to pay. But they probably will look to the draft this year to try to replace Jonu Smith. And we hear often about how difficult it is coming into the league at that position to transition because you got to, like you said, play with your hand in the dirt. You got to line up and run routes. So I know you were a highly drafted tight end by this team. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that transition is like as a rookie and, and what somebody who comes in this year might be able to contribute? I do think these tight ends are coming into the league more prepared than I was. I think when I came out, the terminology was one thing and the concept was another thing. The terminology mm-hmm. is going to be what you're going to have to grasp, but the concept is what you're going to have to learn. And it took me a little while to understand that, just being able to understand plays, understand the concept of a play, situational football, understanding down and distance and just keeping your head in the game. Uh, I think now the tight end position is seen as a weapon. You look at what these tight ends in the league are doing right now. And I think when I came in, we were more of a guy, we were more of an extension of, of the offensive line, even if you could get out there and run routes, even if you, you know, cause you had the Tony Gonzalez and the, you know, and the Tony Gates when I was, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the algae crumbles and those guys, you had some really, mm-hmm. really good tight ends, the Daniel Graham's of the world, the Jeremy Shockers and Kellen Winslow's of the world. But I think now, you know, these guys are coming to the league. They already got game plans for them. They, 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 they pulling these guys to the side, asking them what plays you like or what plays you don't like as if they quarterback. So I do mm-hmm. think that, that the tight end position has come a long way since the early 2000s. These guys are coming in already with these offensive coordinators having a plan for them. And I'm happy for them. I'm happy that, you know, I, that has a lot to do with Grunk. That has a lot to do with Kelsey and, and you know, George Kittle and, you know, uh, you know, and Zach Ertz and, you know, Darren Waller and all these guys, you know, you know, uh, Greg Olson, even though he just retired, uh, you know, I, I just Jason Whitney. I mean, the list just goes on and on. I think it's not trying to make them fit into a mold, but kind of make, but kind of letting them be who they are and go out there and make plays. So I am happy to see the tight end position, you know, shout to Frank Wycheck, who I still think is the best tight end ever come through the Titans and Aaron Kenny, you know, even though Delaney Walker took, took it to another level, the tight end position is a pre the tight end position on offense is like the outside linebacker on defense. You, you can yeah. do so much with these guys now to where, and back in the day, what, you know, guys just had to kind of fit the mold of a, of a dual threat type guy, block and catch now, put them on the backside on the run game and, you know, give them hell in, in the passing game. And, and I'm, I'm happy to see those guys benefiting from it. Not to put you on the spot, but are there any tight ends in this particular class that maybe you have your eye on? Obviously, Kyle Pitts is like heralded as a a generational prospect i'm curious if you think that he's all that he's been made out to be or if you and and if you have any other guys that you've uh that you got a particular liking for in this draft class oh man uh i i just obviously kyle pitts is he's the cream of the crop when you look at when you when you talk about guys look and built for what they do when calvin johnson came out he looks like you know like he was carved out of a lab julio (laughs) jones the thing about a guy like Kyle Pitts, six five and a half, almost six six, two hundred and forty five pounds, runs a four four. They showed his full arsenal last year. Uh, you know, uh, you know, with the Florida Gators, you look at everything yeah. he's able to do. Never drop the pass. His catch radius, his ability to 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 run away from defenders, his route running ability. I just think that he is. He's a culmination of a couple of guys. I think he has the route running ability of a guy like, you know, Travis Kelsey. 
Uh, he moves like Darren Waller. I think he wants to put his hand to the ground, ground like like George Kittle. Um, the big tight end out of Penn State. I really, I really, really like him. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just mm-hmm. think that when you when you start talking about, I, I'm looking at all these tight ends. I mean, I, I I have my eye on all of them because I do think that all of them bring a unique skill set. What I like the most about the tight end position with Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is like the entree, right? But I walked into yeah. a restaurant and. You know, I said, look, man, what you having there? I'm having the tight ends. And you got all kind of tight ends on this menu because even though I like Kyle Pitts, I might want the tight end of Penn State. I, want, I might want the tight end out of Miami. You got a lot of guys because while Kyle Pitts is going to get the most attention, he might not end up being the best of all of them because I came out with Ben Watson and Chris Cooley. You know, I had some really, really good tight ends in my draft class that ended up having long careers, very, very successful players. So, while we get caught up in the big name, you going you got a better chance of finding more value later on in the draft because we only go know the names being talked about on television every other day on all these sports networks. But that doesn't mean they're gonna end up being the best of them all. That's so true. The the draft is such a hard thing to predict and such a crapshoot. But Kyle Pitts carrying on that Florida tradition that that you helped be a huge part of, a All American tight end there at Florida, and the Penn State kid Pat Fryermuth. He's a big. I know a lot of Titans fans like him. Brevin Jordan's a kid out of Miami. My co-host, Justin Mello, loves Hunter Long out of Boston College. So I think there are plenty of guys in this class that could come in and contribute as a uh, you know, second or third round, maybe even fourth round pick. So I definitely think it's a deep-ish tight end class that, that has plenty of guys that could come in and play right away. But what about the quarterbacks? Because this is a historic, There's everyone says, a historic quarterback class. It may be the first draft we ever see four quarterbacks go with the first four picks. I'm not sure if that will happen, but there's a decent likelihood it does. Anything you uh, like about these quarterbacks or this nonsense about Justin Fields not being able to go through reads? Or what are your thoughts on these guys? Oh, man. Trevor Lawrence is, I know people are giving him, you know, the best quarterback we've seen in maybe 20 years. I don't know if he going to live up to that. I, I definitely think he's box office. I definitely think people are up in arms about his Sports Illustrated interview saying that he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and I don't have anything to prove. I, I We say all kinds of things when we haven't, you know, really faced those live bullets out there in the AFC South and that, <laughs> you know, out of conference schedule because he's, they're asking him to lift the the reputation of a, and the tradition or a culture of a team that might not have it. And he's 21, 22 years old. I mean, Zach Wilson, got a chance to see him a lot last year, definitely against uh, when he played Coastal Carolina. This kid is, I mean, he's he. I don't like the comparisons. Don't compare him to Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. These guys are already established, you know, uh, pros and big and all pros, you know, MVP, Super Bowl champions uh, in the NFL. Mac Jones, I'm not faulting him for everything he's getting because, I mean, he did something that Tua could not do. He played a full season in the SEC only schedule, went undefeated, did not get injured, and the Heisman Trophy winner was his freaking receiver. So I do think that Mac Jones is worth it, but I don't understand the Justin Fields stuff. Justin Fields three years ago was the number two rated quarterback right behind Trevor Lawrence coming out. He was the number one rated dual threat quarterback coming out, went to Georgia, didn't work out, went to Ohio State and just went on to put on, put up some of the best numbers I've seen in a two-year span, lost to Trevor Lawrence in the college football playoff to then beat Trevor Lawrence uh, this yeah. year to play in the S- I mean, in the national championship and lose to Alabama, for which they beat everybody you put in front of them. Trey Lance <laughs> yeah. is a head scratcher because he played one year in one game and never threw a pick. Throwing picks doesn't mean you're careless with the football. Throwing picks means you take chances. 
Right. And I know, I know, I know he's probably the biggest question mark out of all of them. Obviously, I'm very, very, uh, you know, uh, biased when it comes to a guy like Kyle Trask. I think Kyle Trask, regardless of the fact that he went to my my school, a guy that hadn't played football for seven years to then be a Heisman Trophy finalist. I just think that those are the type of guys. I mean, you know, Ian, you know, Ian Book, you know, out of Notre Dame. I mean, you got you got a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the headliner. I think Zach Wilson. It's definitely going to go number two. I hope that Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch and not trade from th- 12 to three to get Mac Jones when Justin Fields is right there. And I think the draft is really, really going to start with pick number four. What is Atlanta going to do? Do they get if Justin Fields is gone? Do you get him? Or, you know, I think they want to make history with having four quarterbacks go. I think in the end, it's going to be five going the first round unless the team move back up to get a guy like Kyle Trask. Don't look past those New Orleans Saints. I mean, they they're gonna yeah. need a quarterback. I don't know, but uh, this quarterback class is intriguing. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is about as good as advertised. When you talk about replacing a guy like Deshaun Watson, becoming a starter after four games with Kelly Bryant, uh, Zach Wilson boosted his reputation at BYU. Mac Jones took the quarterback and le- to another level when we thought it was gonna take a step back with Tua moving on to the National Football League. Uh, Justin Fields keeping that Ohio State tradition alive with those big time quarterbacks. Uh, thank God that we already had a Carson Wentz coming out of North Dakota State. I don't know if Trey Lance would have got the attention that he's gotten, even though he is a big time talent. We'll see what happens with guys like Kyle Trask, Ian Book. You know, you got you got some big time players. I'm out bigger than the first rounders. Once again, I'm looking for guys who might have kind of got of got lost in the shuffle because we get so caught up in the in the big name. Another guy that's getting some hype is Davis Mills out of Stanford because I think he only started something like 12 games in his college career, so pretty uh, raw prospect. But a guy that a lot of people are excited about, he could sneak into the back half of the first round and talk about the Saints looking at their quarterback of the future situation. Uh, so, yeah, th- this is going to be a really interesting draft, a really interesting quarterback class for sure. Ben, thank you so much for for hopping on and, and talking through this with us tonight. We really appreciate your time. Remember, everyone, you can follow Ben at BenTroop84 on Twitter. And definitely check out 3 and Out uh, on ESPN Coastal, espncoastal.com slash 3andout. You can listen live to the show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure you're checking that out. Ben, any last thoughts you want to throw out here before we get out of here? Uh, really, 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 uh, you know, uh, big thanks you guys have me on. Uh, big shout out to uh, TSU, man, uh, picking up uh, Eddie George as the yeah. new head coach of TSU. Uh, shout out to Deion Sanders for boosting the reputation of the HBCU teams, the MEAC and the SWAC. I think that when uh, big time names and big time players lend their expertise to the HBCU level, it definitely shows that these guys understand that the reputation can only be boosted by those who help boost it. So shout out to TSU, shout out to Jackson State. Uh, I heard some rumors that Deion Sanders said that maybe Ed Reed and uh, Ray Lewis might be trying to get into the coaching ranks. I think that would be great. Shout out to the uh, the, uh, the Legacy Bowl that's going to be held in, um, in New Orleans, Louisiana. But yeah, man, make sure and check me out. Uh, you know, Monday through Friday uh, from 3 to 6 Eastern time. Uh, go to ESPNCoastal.com. Click the, you know, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, you can hear us live. I always follow us at Pigskin Radio. And uh, you can always follow me on, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BenTroop84. All right. Great. Great to have Ben Troop on the podcast. Really appreciate his time. Justin, let us now turn to... say something about Ben Troop real quick? Oh, please. I wasn't here for the interview, as you guys just heard. Uh, I, you know, I, I had something else, but... 
credit Ben Troop because a lot of times that was a great interview. You can bring Ben Troop, you know, you bring old players, retired players on a show sometimes. And sometimes you could tell they haven't really watched the team that they played for in a long time. They're not as knowledgeable as they used to be. But that was terrific. You can tell Ben Troop has not only kept up with the Titans, but he also knows quite a bit about this draft class at, at, at tight end. So he had a lot of a lot of great insight and he added a lot to this episode. So shout out to Ben Troop was the 40th overall pick. Uh, once upon a time. And, and he had a lot of promise in Tennessee, man. If injuries didn't slow him down a little, I think things could have gone differently. He had that one year, he had more than 500 receiving yards. I remember watching him. I was a big fan of his. So that was a terrific little interview. I, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. I remember playing Madden, whichever Madden it was, that had Vince Young on the cover and oh, using man. Vince to Ben Troop. And he was like always open over the middle of the field. Always. Always. All right. Well, let's get into it now. It is obviously the peak of draft season. We are just over two weeks away, just under, excuse me, two weeks away from the NFL draft. So today we thought we would go through the whole draft. We're each going to make picks and we'll compare our classes at the end. So we're going to do this live using the Draft Network's mock draft machine, which is my personal favorite mock draft machine. Justin obviously is a writer for the Draft Network, so we got to plug that whenever we can. And shout I have to just... the Draft Network, baby. Shout out. I have just pressed start, so the draft is happening now. And as expected, Trey Lance went third overall. How about that? (laughs) One that I'm predicting is going to happen. Yeah, that could definitely happen. Ooh, Mac Jones, 20th to the Bears. Tevin Jenkins goes 21st to the Colts. I think that's a real (laughs) possibility that I'm scared of. Um, Although, I think they probably may look to draft maybe like a Sam Cosme there. just because. Yeah, I think they'll like Cosme better, the Colts, because he played left. Right. Um, Aziz Ojulari in this mock went 18th to Miami. So our, your and I both top edge rushers off the board, but there's some pretty interesting options here. Quiddy pay has fallen. Greg Newsom The second has fallen. Um, is Caleb Farley here? Caleb Farley is here. Ooh, ooh, I like Caleb Farley quite a bit. Obviously Rashad Bateman, Zaven Collins is still on the board. I know you are a big fan of Eric Stokes. He's still on the board. Um, what where are you thinking Christian right now? Christian Barmore's on the board. Christian Barmore's on the board. Where this where are you leaning tough. looking at this? Elijah Moore too. I don't know if you I don't know if I heard if you mentioned him, but Elijah Moore is there I didn't on the say board. Elijah. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna go. I thought me and you were gonna make the same pick, and you I don't know your pick yet for sure, but I, I bet I do. <laughs> but I'm I'm gonna switch mine up and I'm not just doing it for the sake of it. I don't have access to the medicals, but I am going to go Caleb Farley here. I'm going Caleb Farley, baby. Oh, wow. See, I'm wrong, because I thought I switched mine up so we wouldn't have the same one. And now we have, I thought you were going to go Rashad Bateman. I like Rashad Bateman, but I mean, if Caleb Farley for me, obviously this is dependent on the medicals. We haven't talked, you and I haven't talked a whole lot about Caleb Farley. I brought him up on the 440 with Braden Gall, his podcast on 440 Sports Media's network, um, which you guys should go check out. But you and I personally, we haven't really talked about Caleb Farley at all. So it's interesting that we both went to him here, but I just think the situation is so similar to Jeffrey Simmons. Obviously a micro dissectomy or whatever the heck he had, a second back procedure, obviously back, the back, you hear the word back surgery and it's like total panic incited, right? But I think obviously this depends if the medicals check out, but I've listened to this kid uh, talk in interviews. He's got a dog in him. I have seen his tape play. And I mean, this guy is a potential top five cornerback in the NFL one day within the next, you know, pretty soon. So it's similar again, the Jeffrey Simmons situation. You're getting a top 10 talent in the class who fell because of injury concerns. John Robinson did not shy away from doing it then. I don't think he'd shy away from doing it now as long as the medicals check out. We have to emphasize that, but... In this mock scenario, the medicals freaking check out, bro. 
We're taking Caleb Farley. <laughs> so both of us with the same pick there, but you said it. We haven't talked about him a lot. The tape is unbelievable on this guy. He's everything you want in a corner prospect. You got to find out about the medicals. Cause if so, uh, if he was, you know, I think I had him at 14th on my big board and I put him at, at that made him uh, my third corner. I, I kind of took the medicals into account by doing that. If, if we had a clear cut picture on what that was like, I would have him uh, as my number one corner. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I I'm, I feel honestly, I feel the same way. And JC Horn and Pat has kind of leapfrogged to be up there in that same group with Patrick Sertain throughout the process. But I think early on, I mean, back in January, before we really got into this, it was like Farley and Sertain, who's the best one? And a lot of people said it was Farley. So, all right, we are now into round two. And a lot of our favorite guys were drafted since our last pick. And I'll just name some of them off. Greg Newsom, the second. Obviously, we're not in the cornerback market as much anymore because we got our guy with Farley. Quiddy Pay is gone. Christian Barmore is gone. Zayvon Collins is gone. Rashad Bateman's gone. Eric Stokes is gone. Elijah Moore is gone. But there are still a lot of intriguing options. Um, unfortunately, Rondale Moore got drafted. Terrace Marshall Jr., a wide receiver I personally really like, got drafted. Mm. Pat Fryermuth, a tight end that could be a potential Johnny Smith replacement, has been drafted. Samuel Cosme, potential right tackle replacement, been drafted. Kadarius Toney, a playmaking wide receiver you expect to play in the slot, has been drafted. So that's pretty much the guys that are gone. Interesting names still on the board uh, at Edge. Gregory Rousseau, Joseph Osai, who I love as a University of Texas alum. Ronnie Perkins. I know you're a huge fan of Joe Tryon out of Washington. Are you looking at the edges here or are you looking at another position? This is tough for me, man. There's a lot of great edges on the board there. A bunch of them. Jeez, uh, Carlos Basham's still on the board there too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I, I don't think I could go edge here. I think I'm going to go a little outside the box uh, with a surprise pick because I really think the Titans need a receiver, man. I, I can't, you know, I, I don't know what the value is going to look like later. So I'm going to go with Diami Brown here out of North Carolina. I, I think he fits what they like to do. I think he's physical. He's been incredibly productive. I think, you know, he can fit into the Titans offense and there's a lot to like about Diami, Diami Brown. So I'm going to go with him here. Interesting pick. We still have Amari Rogers on the board as well. And uh, looking down the line, Dwayne Eskridge, I know you're a big fan of him. Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace. Those guys are still around and might be there in the third, but you're going to go ahead and take Diami Brown here. Interesting pick. I am going to make a bit of a homer selection here and take Joseph Osai. And I'll tell you why. The reason I like Joseph Osai so much is because, A, obviously, you can play him at edge. Titans won't need him to come in and be a starter at edge. He needs a little bit of time to refine his game at that position. But he can also play off the ball, play an inside linebacker, kind of a Sam linebacker, downhill linebacker kind of role. I think he's just one of those guys that's always near the ball, forcing fumbles, diving on fumbles, tipping passes at the line of scrimmage. He's just a playmaker. And I think the Titans need playmakers on defense. So as much as I do agree, the wide receiver position needs to be addressed. Alex Leatherwood is still sitting here on the board as a tackle option. He could be uh, an intriguing candidate here in the second round at pick 53. But you've taken Diami Brown. I'm taking Joseph Osai. Let's hit it and move on to the third round. Do you, what do you, just while we wait for this draft to roll, what do you think of Joseph Osai? Yeah, I I do love Osai. And I knew, I I knew you were going to pick him, you know, being, being a Texas guy that you are. Um, I like him, man. He's an athletic freak. I'm excited to see how he transitions to the next level. Cause like you said, he, he's done a lot of things as an off ball player, but I do think he has the capability to come in 
and make a, a proper uh, transition to the edge. I think that's what teams are going to ask of them is to use those traits to get after the quarterback. Cause it's, it's a lot more um, uh, valuable, right. Than being an off ball guy, let's be honest. And he has the capability to do so. Of course, anytime you're asking a guy to go through a bit of a transition there, it's always a question mark, right? Can, can he handle it? Can he do it? But I understand why someone's going to draft him. I think in the second round, because the tools are off the charts. The pro day numbers were terrific. The tape is exciting. He, he's super athletic, so uh, I, I like Joe Asai. Nice. Uh, yeah, me too. Okay, so since I made that pick, uh, some of our favorite guys, again, got drafted. Um, you did, haven't taken an edge yet, so I'll review the edges that, that just got taken right after we made our pick. Ronnie Perkins, gone. Gregory Rousseau, gone. Carlos Basham, gone. Um, some of my receivers that I was hoping to target in this round are also gone, like Amon Ross St. Brown, Amari Rogers, Dwayne Eskridge. And uh, so the tight ends, the tight ends are going. Tommy Tremble off the board. Brevin Jordan off the board. Our, our options for replacing Johnny Smith are dwindling. But as we look now at the available players here in round three, Tylen Wallace, wide receiver that I really like, is sitting there. Peyton Turner in edge that a lot of people are pretty high on sitting there. I know you love Spencer Brown, the tackle out of Northern Iowa. He's sitting there. Quincy Roche out of Miami. You still need an edge. So what are you looking at right now? Yeah, I got I got a tough decision to make here. I think you're not going to be shocked, but um, you mentioned some of the guys. I mean, I'm looking at uh, I'm I'm really debating between Peyton Turner and Spencer Brown, who are, are two guys that I absolutely love um, at this. If I, you know, if I could, if the, if it was simple, if I was the Titans in this situation, I would take that hundredth pick and I would try to trade up to get into that 86 to 88 range, and I would make another pick here. Because there are like three guys that I, I want so badly here, three or four guys that they should want so bad right. if this is how things fall, for example. But I'm going to take a risk and hope my, one of my other guys falls to 100. He probably won't because we know that's, that's not how it works, right? Life's never fair. I'm going to take <laughs> Peyton Turner from Houston because – I think the Titans really like him. You know, he, I don't know if I've said this on the show yet, but he no. had a virtual meeting with Mike Vrabel and John Robinson. You know, I know that for a fact. I reported on that. This is a guy that played on the interior first couple of years at Houston, was miscast out there. They threw him out on the edge uh, this past season, and he just exploded a a as a DM. You know, he went to the senior bowl. The measurements are off the charts. The wingspan, the arm length, uh, the hand size, everything about this guy, scream size. And it, it, he should have been playing on the edge. And when they moved him out to the edge, Things took off for him. And I talked to him about that. I interviewed him. That's already, you know, uh, you can read that on the draft network. It published last week. I asked him about moving outside and he just said, you know what, man, when I moved to, to the end, I could take advantage of my natural gifts. I can work my long arm a little bit better. I can take advantage of that length. I can take advantage of my speed, my explosiveness. He's like, you know, when you're inside there, things are a little more congested. You can't, you, you know, I, I don't, I can't use my length as much as I can on the outside. So he exploded. This is a guy, I think I've said it on all three podcasts I've done tonight, but <laughs> this is a guy that, so if you're doing a Justin Mello gauntlet and you're following me, I, I don't think you are. I don't think you're following every podcast I'm doing, but I'd be honored if you did. But if you're doing that, you can hear me talk about Peyton Turner a lot because this is a guy that I think is going to get drafted a lot earlier than people realize a lot of mock drafts. I'm seeing him in this range, 80 to hundred. I don't think he's going to be there, man. Watch out for Peyton Turner in like the 40 to 55 range. That's where I think he ultimately lands up. And I might look stupid for saying it, but I don't think he goes this late, but I'm going Peyton Turner. Nice. I, I like the pick. I I'm all over it. Uh, except that I already took an edge and I don't know if the Titans are going to go back to back edge with all the holes they need to fill. I have not addressed the wide receiver position yet. We're obviously looking to replace Corey Davis's production here. So when I look at the list of available wide receivers, 
To me, there's a pretty big drop-off after Tylen Wallace. Mm. I just don't think I can let him get away at this point. I know you're not the biggest Tylen Wallace guy. I love Tylen Wallace, and as a Texas fan, I watched Tylen Wallace destroy Texas year after year, and... Uh, so I think that I know the there's a lot of a bit of a stigma, I guess, against guys who win on the contested catches more than than not. Would you agree? Yeah, it's a volatile way to win, in my opinion. Tylen Wallace was terrific in college, He's one of the best uh, receivers in Oklahoma State history. I mean, what a career he had there. But I, I, I do sometimes worry about those guys that win vertically down the field on contested catch situations. Look at uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Hasn't really worked out for yeah. him at the next. That's who he was at Stanford, right? Doesn't always work out. It's dangerous. So I, I do like Tylen Wallace. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to talk bad about him, but I, I worry about him. Can I just say something to the fan, to the listeners real quick? Of course. This is an expert mock draft versus somebody who's not as good at what he's doing in Titans film room because I already got my receiver in the last round. I got a better one than he's about to get. I let the board fall to me. I hope, I hope Titans film room is learning something right now as he goes through this exercise with me because I let the board fall. You're going to take Tylen Wallace while I got Peyton Turner in this round. I mean, my mock draft is already way better than yours. Oh, I don't know about that. I do think it's interesting, though, if we look at... Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and select Tylen Wallace here. I think it's interesting if we look at what positions we both drafted through three rounds. We both took a corner in round one, the same corner. And then round two and three, we both went wide receiver edge or edge wide receiver. So it's interesting. Neither of us have decided to address offensive tackle yet, even though we think that that is a potential avenue the Titans will go down. Um, but as we sit here... At pick 100, it looks like Spencer Brown, unfortunately, did not fall to I'm us. I'm nodding my head because that's what I was worried. I knew it wasn't going to happen for me. That's what I wanted. I almost took him right there uh, at 85, and it didn't mm -hmm. happen. And a bunch of guys went that I was – it's such a few amount of picks, you think, from 86 to 99. Every single player I wanted went. Hunter Long is gone. That's I would have taken him or Spencer Brown. That's why I said if, this, if the board actually kind of falls this way, I'd love to see the Titans – package that 100th pick with one of their sixth rounders, whatever the heck it is, and move back up. Move from 100 to 90 or whatever it is because there's if this falls this way, some great players in that range, man, a lot of good players. Yeah, and now we're looking at potentially having to reach for a different player because looking at the board, I mean, like you said, let the board fall to you. I don't see any offensive tackle I'm comfortable taking at pick 100 this early. I don't really see any tight ends left either that I'm comfortable taking this early. So... What direction are you looking now? Potentially interior defensive line, potentially interior offensive line. What do you What do you even do at this? You know, point? I already I already got my corner, I got my edge, and I got a receiver. So I'm not going to double dip into those positions quite yet. When I'm looking at this board, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it doesn't jump out at me. I don't love what's available in this range, but I am going to make a pick because I got to make one. Uh, and I'm going to go Trey Smith, the inside, uh, you know, from Tennessee, the, uh, the interior offensive lineman. I think he probably makes a lot of sense here. Uh, Trey Smith, we know the Titans were at his pro day. Not only were they there, uh, I can't remember who else had a pro day that day, but there's a couple of big programs that had a pro day the same day as Tennessee. And Mike Vrabel and John Robinson were at Tennessee. I found that interesting that they didn't go to one of the bigger schools that had a pro day at the same time that Tennessee did. But, hey, they probably wanted to support local. They went down to Tennessee. They worked a lot with Trey Smith there. He's the best prospect coming out of the University of Tennessee this year. There's no question about that. They, I got draftable grades on probably only three of their players 
but <laughs> Trey Smith is the best one. I can see the Titans liking him. Look, this is the third round. He's not going to be an immediate contributor, obviously, but they're getting older on the offensive line. They're getting older at interior. When you look at Ben Jones, you look at Roger Saffold, you're probably going to need a replacement for those guys a little bit sooner than you'd like to think. So uh, I'm going to plan for the future here. I'm going to grab Trey Smith, thinking that by year two or three, he's going to be starting for me. And this is a compensatory selection here, pick 100. So it doesn't necessarily mean you can just use it on as a luxurious pick or whatever. But like when you're looking at what the board has for you right now, I could see the Titans possibly going interior defensive line. Aleem McNeil is a pretty popular prospect out of NC State. He's sitting there. Jalen Twyman. Jay is a really good one too. I'm surprised he's still there. Jay Tufile out of USC. Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh, um, Patrick Jones's teammate. But you know what? I agree with you almost 100% here, and I am also going to select Trey Smith. So we are in sync with round one, pick 22, and round three, pick 100. Let's hit that and move on to our next selection as we watch the board unfold. It's kind of crazy here how all these tight ends got swept up. Do you think after this little exercise, is there a chance the Titans go with a tight end in the second or third round? Yeah, I think there is. I mean, I, I, I said it on Twitter. If you follow me, I think they're going to love Hunter Long, right? So that's a guy that I would take all day long. One of these third round picks, 85 or 100, I'd be thrilled if they can come away with a Hunter Long or a Tommy Tremble. Now, neither you or I came away with the tight end here. And this is a good exercise for us. And it's a good exercise for fans. It's not a very deep tight end class, right? And if they fly off the board during day two and that, you know, round two, round three, if they miss out on Tommy Tremble, they miss out on Brevin Jordan and they miss out on, uh, on Hunter Long, there are not a lot of names left that you're going to get excited about at the tight end uh, position. Yeah, that is very true. All right, we are now at pick 126, Titans' fourth round selection. And I'm pretty curious to see where you go. I'm leaning one way, but I want to hear what you have to say before I make my selection. So uh, not that I need you to refresh my memory. I grabbed a corner in Caleb Farley. I grabbed a receiver in Deami Brown. I grabbed a edge in Peyton Turner, correct? And I grabbed a an inside uh, interior guy in Trey Smith. So I had, you know, I could look at a uh, interior D lineman here. I could look at safety. I, I don't think I'm going to double down at edge uh, here. Patrick Tough. Jones sitting on the board. I know a lot of Titans fans like Patrick Jones. I like I Patrick pa Jones. I love Patrick Jones. I love Cameron sample. He's on the board mm -hmm. too, but I've already grabbed an edge. I think, you know, I'm going to make a pick. That's probably going to surprise a lot of people here. I, I wonder where you're going. Last I'm sorry. I wonder, where you're, I wonder where you're going. I just wonder where you're going. Yeah, okay. I'm going with uh, uh, Talanoa uh, Hufunga out of USC, the safety. This is a guy that's a big guy, man. You're, he's got unbelievable size at the safety position. You watch what he did at USC. They moved him all over their defense. I think Tennessee can maybe still use a guy like that a guy that can come in the box, a guy that can play and cover some. I really like him. I don't think he's getting enough credit. I don't think he's getting enough love. I like Talanoa Hufunga. You know, I don't think it's the biggest need that I'm addressing here, but I think I definitely took the best player on the board. I don't know that he lasts this long. USC had him listed at 6'1", 215. This is a huge guy. He only played six games this past year, but how can you ask him to do more? Four interceptions in those six games, and then he had three sacks. Put on the tape. Watch what he did against, you know, even BYU in 2019. That's one of the ones that I love from him. Watch what he did against UCLA. Watch what he did against Oregon. This is a really good player, and he's so aggressive. He's so physical. He's so tough. He loves to tackle. He's a guy you can come up in the slot. I think he can cover, um, but I think he could line up deep as well, of course, and, and play as a deep safety. So I really like Talanoa Hufunga, and I think, you know, losing Kenny Vaccaro, they haven't really signed a free agent safety. Uh, I know they got, you know, 
one in name in Matthias Farley, but I think he's really a guy you're signing to play special teams more than anything. So if they want a little more depth at safety, Talanoa Hufunk is a guy that can come in and I think give you some snaps immediately. Yeah, and John Robinson took Amani Hooker in the fourth round, so he has a little bit of a history of taking those versatile safety guys in this range. Could definitely see it. I like the pick. I'm also going to throw out what could potentially be seen as a bit of a curveball. My pick here is cornerback Sean Wade. Sort of a similar thing. This is a guy who, I mean, coming into the 2020 college football season was thought to be the top cornerback prospect, the next great Ohio State cornerback like we saw Jeff Okuda get picked in the top five last year and he didn't have a great season and his stock kind of tanked but this is a guy who if you put him in the nickel or you put him at a safety kind of role a hybrid nickel safety type of role something you were just talking about doing with Hufunga I think you can get the most out of him in that situation and I think the connection between Kerry Combs who's now obviously the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, and Mike Vrabel. Obviously, Kerry Combs was a Titans secondary coach not too long ago, so there's definitely going to be an open channel of communication there. I think maybe Kerry Combs gives him the lowdown, like, yeah, Sean maybe play a little bit out of position this year or whatever it is to help the Titans get the most out of him, at least feel comfortable with the player and his background. So for that reason, I'm going to take Sean Wade out of Ohio State. But for the sake of this draft network mock draft machine exercise, I'm going to hit the safety and we'll move on. Do you have thoughts on Sean Wade? Do you do you hate him as much as a lot of draft Twitter seems to? I, I don't hate Sean Wade. You know, I, I don't <laughs> think he had the best <laughs> the best season that he could have had this past year. I know that hurt his stock a little bit, but I still think he can play the game. I still think he has some upside. I think he's a better fit in the nickel than he right, is which outside. Which the Titans need? Which the Titans need? Right, exactly. So I think that's the biggest thing with Sean Wade. Is I hope his pro team keeps him inside, plays him at the nickel. I think that's where he's best suited to play. And, and, you know, not a bad pick. Vrabel's going to know him well, right? Kerry, as you mentioned, Kerry, Coach Combs, who was in Tennessee, Vrabel being an Ohio State alum himself, of course, they're going to know Sean Wade. And it wouldn't shock me if they like him a little bit. All right, we are now at pick 166. The board is getting slim. Rashad Weaver, edge out of Pittsburgh, is there. I know a lot of people like him. Caden oh, wow. Stearns, a safety out of my alma mater, Texas, is sitting there. Josh I, the Illinois wide receiver that everybody loves. Cornell Powell is not too far down the board. So what are you looking at here? I mean, unfortunately for us, the tackles and the tight ends, we missed them. In this scenario, we missed them. Can you show me the tackle class real quick of of who's available? It is uh, nothing. It's it's toast. It's gone. Oh, wow. (laughs) The highest ranked player for everyone's reference on the Draft Network's board is ranked number 218. We're at pick 166. That would be Dan Moore Jr. out of a and There is a guy that I would like to take here, but I think it's a little early, so I'm going to I'm gonna see if I can get him a little bit later. And if I do, I'll be able to talk about him as a little bit of a sleeper. Um, <laughs> but yeah, t- take us back to the, you know, take us away from the tackles. And, and show me, I think, you know, I, I don't know about double dipping at a position here, but I might, you know I'm what? going to. What else are we going to do? <laughs> You know what? For the sake, maybe, of not double dipping, because it would be there. There are two guys I could easily double dip on here, but for the sake of, of not double dipping, I'm gonna look at uh, a guy here that's a linebacker. And I know people think that might be interesting, but look, I'm talking about planning for the future. Starting linebackers, Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans, both on their final years of their contract. Jay, you know, it's even shocking that Jayon Brown is even back, but you know they got a great deal on him. They end up bringing him back. 
I don't know that that's going to happen again next offseason. If he can stay healthy and put another good season together, he's going to get that big contract that he was looking for this offseason. Rashawn Evans, I know a lot of Titans fans can't, can't wait for that, for that contract to run out. So if the Titans have to go through a makeover at the position next offseason, wouldn't it be bad to have a little something in the arsenal? Yeah, they should still have David Long. But a guy that I really like that's on the board here is Charles Snowden um, out of Virginia. I do really like him. He was a guy when I turned, you know, when I turned the tape on, I was a little late onto Charles Snowden, but he, he excites me, and I'll tell you why. I, you know, the listeners probably don't know a lot about him. 6'6", 232, 82-inch wingspan, 34-inch arms. This guy is versatile. He's incredibly productive. He was in college. He is today's linebacker, range, sideline to sideline speed, physical. They put him in situations to rush the passer, and he was good in there because he's got that terrific length, and he took advantage of that. So I really like him. Um, I think, of course, he's got to add a little weight. You know, 232 is, is, is what he was listed at because he went down to the senior bowl. So we got that official measurement on him. He probably played, played a little lighter than that. At Virginia, I doubt he played at 232. He probably bulked up when he went down to Mobile to have a better way in. But he's an interesting guy, man. Watch what he did against NC State in 2020. I like him. He 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 impacts the run game. He impacts the passing game. There's one there's one play in particular that really impressed me. With a, a he records a pressure on the quarterback, forces the QP to get rid of the ball, and, uh, and it's an incompletion. So I like Charles Snowden. I think there are some moldable tools there. I could have easily double dipped. And truthfully, if I run through this scenario again, I'd probably take one of these edge rushers. You know, a guy like you're looking at three of them. I can see you eyeing them. I can see your beady little eyes eyeing them right now. Rashad Weaver, Jonathan Cooper, Ellerson Smith. I'm a huge fan of all three of those players. Huge fan. Uh, but I'm going to go, I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to go Charles Snowden here. Yeah. All right. I can get behind that. And I think that that linebacker is definitely a position where the Titans need special teams players. So you bring in a fourth, a fifth round rookie and let him go out on special teams and maybe see if he can like, if he has to play a little bit like David Long did as a rookie, see how much he flashes. We've seen John Robinson have success drafting right. linebackers this late in the draft. So Jayon Brown too, right? Jayon Brown was, was drafted Brown. this late. So yep. you, I feel like John Robinson likes drafting linebackers late, especially when he sees a future need uh, at the position. And he, and he, he obviously he's got a great eye because he's two for two, in my opinion, yep. right on Jayon Brown and David Long. So he likes his day three linebackers. And I can, I can see Charles Snowden being that type of player. Nice. Yeah, I like the pick. I am going to go with Rashad Weaver out of Pittsburgh, guy who played on a pretty talented Pittsburgh D-line this past year. They put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. That Florida State game against a bunch of backup offensive linemen was just uh, just terrible to watch if you're a Florida State fan. Luckily, I am not. But the thing I like about Rashad Weaver, I took Joseph Osai in the second round, and he's a guy who's a little bit unrefined, plays more of a – he could play stand-up, plays off the ball – as opposed to someone like Rashad Weaver, who, you know, they're both technically classified as edge players, but I think Weaver's someone who can slide inside and play a little three-tech, play a little bit inside. Seven and a half sacks in just nine games last season. 14 tackles for loss. We love using tackles for loss as a more predictive measure than than sacks. So I like Rashad Weaver. I think he'll fit in that 3-4 defense. He can play that little bit of that three-tech, a little bit of that five-tech kind of role, or he can slide on out to, to be a heavy edge, almost like we saw the way the Titans used Jack, Jack Crawford last year. So... Let's bring in Rashad Weaver for me. I'll go ahead and click Charles Snowden for you in this draft. And we will now move on to our sixth round pick. Uh, while we do that, thoughts on, on Weaver? Yeah, I love Rashad Weaver. If you haven't got a chance to, I just published my interview with him on the Draft Network earlier this week. Uh, it was actually on Wednesday, so just a couple of days ago. That's Huge why I fan took of him. his game. So you I'm could plug sorry? that. That's why I took him, so you could plug that. 
Oh, look, look, look at look at that. Look how smart you are. Um, I, I love Rashad Weaver. I really do. The tape is excellent. He played an excellent defense at Pittsburgh. When I asked about uh, him, you know, he talked about playing there on that D. It was so well coached. And that's a big thing to me. Fans don't always realize it's great to get your hands on a prospect that was well, so well coached in college and, and was in a system. You know, he played there for like four years in that same system. I really, and there's a reason they're sending a bunch of guys to the league this year. They're sending a bunch of safeties, right? Damar Hamlin, uh, Paris Ford, you got Patrick Jones, you got Jalen Twyman. I mean, they're sending that old defense, it feels like, to the NFL this year. So I really like Rashad Weaver. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let's move on now. We are in the sixth round. Pick 205 overall. A lot of the names here are, are guys that we've gotten to know as, you know, mostly wide receiver candidates because it was such a deep draft at wide receiver. But there's some corners on the board here, too. It's slim pickings at almost every other position. Are you looking at anyone in particular right now? Take me to the tackle class real quick again. Yeah, let's see if your guy's still on the board. Yeah, we got another pick at 215. So do I roll the dice or do I just take them now? I think that, that that's a tough question for me. Go back to the regular board. We're doing this live, folks. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the board right now as we're making these picks. You know, I'm going to take a chance and roll the dice and hope that my tackle is still there 10 picks from now, which almost guarantees that he won't be, right? right. Because again, it's a common theme on this episode. That's how life rolls. No doubt. But I can't no pass on Cornell Powell. You know, I know I, I yes. haven't talked about doubling down, but I love Cornell Powell. The value at 205, I can't believe that he's still on the board. I'm a huge fan of his game, a late bloomer, a guy that didn't come into Clemson really and play until this past season. But look, he had to sit, he had to wait in the wings. That's life at Clemson, right? Yeah, if you're a young guy, chances are there are a bunch of guys in front of you that are that are more talented, that are older, more mature, and that are going to the NFL. It's natural for you to have to wait your turn there. Cornell Powell waited his turn. He had an unbelievable year this year more than 800 receiving yards more than 50 catches he got better as the year went on right i think he averaged something like 120 yards a game um over the last couple of games of the season so he's a good player i really like him i think the Titans are gonna like him you know he's built he's strong he's great after the catch he runs good Chris routes i really like cornell powell and i i like the value here even more yeah a little bit of an older prospect spent five years there at clemson but you can't really hate on what what it, he can do on the field i know there's a lot of titans fans that like him as a sleeper at wide receiver. I've got my eye on Demetric Felton, the running back wide receiver out of UCLA, because the Titans still need a slot wide receiver. They need, I mean, Darrington Evans showed some promise as a potential kick returner, but they could use some more juice in the punt and kick return department. They could use some of these kind of gadget guys. I know they have Cameron Batson on the roster, but Khalif Raymond is gone. You know, injuries happen, and Cam Batson's not a huge guy. If he got injured, they wouldn't really have that gadget player anymore. But... I still think I'm going to take Cornell Powell also, even though we both already took guys that we consider outside receivers earlier in the draft. Cornell Powell at six feet could play inside or outside. I think you you take good football players where you can get them and you don't have you shouldn't worry too much about what who you've already drafted in this particular draft. So I think we're both going to be in alignment here and take Clemson wide receiver like Jonathan Boren said when you were on the Coach's Corner podcast a few weeks ago. Draft Clemson wide receivers. They are just good. They're always good. They're well coached in college and they become good in the NFL. And I've never been a fan of scout scouting the helmet over scouting the player. But when it comes to Clemson wide receivers, there's just some magic going on there. So I agree. Let's take Cornell Powell and the draft will move on to our pick at 215. Also in the sixth round. Oh, is, my, is my guy gone? I got to pay close attention here to these picks. Uh, two of tackles course. got drafted, so I'm going to say probably. <laughs> of, course. of course. 
my guy there was taken uh, by, by the Cleveland Browns at 211, Jalen Moore. What I really like about Jalen Moore, you know, Western Michigan offensive tackle, went down to the senior bowl and had a, a, a terrific week. The measurements are off the charts. He's a great athlete, started uh, more than 30 games at Western Michigan. I know it's quote unquote a small school. They gave us Corey Davis at fifth overall. They can develop NFL talent. Dwayne Eskridge is another guy that they're sending to the league this season. The reason I like Jalen Moore, I think he makes a lot of sense as a day three developmental guy. I'm ranting about a guy that's already off the board. We're not even going to pick him, but I'm going to talk about him anyway, because this has become a draft pod right now. And, and I like Jalen Moore, you know, and, and he yeah. played in, in a zone scheme. You know, Western Michigan ran a lot of similar things that Tennessee runs. So I think he makes a lot of sense as a guy that the Titans could draft and try to mold and, and develop. I would have loved to fit there, but I, I, it didn't happen. So I'm looking at the board right now. Geez, do we have a, do we have a choice, but to double down, I don't know. If I, we have a choice I, I, to double down. Everybody on the board is an edge, a receiver, a corner, a yep. safety. My guy, Demetric Felton, I was just looking at is still there. I'm probably just going to take him. And you know what? That's a lot of wide receivers, but the Titans lost. Jonu Smith, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis, Khalif Raymond this offseason. They need more playmakers on offense. They need a, a youth and speed and quickness. Demetric Felton is a super shifty, fast guy, running back experience. You know, they like to give the ball to Jonu Smith out of the backfield. He's gone now, so take some of that load off Derrick Henry. If Darrington Evans continues to have injury issues, you never, you know, we're still projecting him in the NFL. So which way are you leaning? I'm leaning Demetric Felton. I don't fault you for that. I'm, I'm going to double down on corner here because one of my favorite uh, prospect fits to the Titans is still on the board. Um, and, and I don't think he'll be around this late, but I'm going to, I'm going to take Tate. I'm excuse me. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I'm going to take Tay Gowan, the corner from UCF that you've got sitting on the board there. What I like about Tay Gowan is look at what the Titans have done this off season. Look at the corners that they've brought in, you know, Janoris, Jack rabbit Jenkins, um, uh, Kevin Johnson, even though he wasn't a popular addition to the team, they've sent a clear message, I think. And I think you'll agree. They want to play man coverage. They want big, long, physical guys that can play on the boundary and line up in man coverage. They didn't play a ton of man last year, but I think it's more because they didn't feel like they had the personnel to do it. Tay Gowan, I interviewed him. You can go read that on the draft network. It's already out. He told me, I loved it. I live and die in press coverage. That's all I want to play. I'm long. I'm tough. I'm physical. That's where I want to be. I know that he's met virtually with the Titans. I've already reported on that. That is one of my favorite. I think I might write an article on day three and I don't, I'm giving it all the way now, but if I write an article on day (laughs) three scheme fits for Mm -hmm. the Titans, Tay Gowan is one of those guys. And I don't know that he makes it to day three. I think he's got a chance to sneak into the third round, but if he does make it to round four or five, uh, Tay Gowan's a guy that I, I could see the Titans, you know, really liking. It's it's a I really like the fit there in terms of prospect to scheme. Tay Gowan fits what the Titans want to play on defense. Nice. Well, we have arrived at pick two thirty two, our last pick today, and this draft network board here is like you said, it's just cornerbacks and receivers pretty much at this point. Everyone talks about the deep wide receiver class and that is playing out here before our eyes. I've already taken t- two receivers and I've already yeah. taken two corners. Yeah. And I mean, the draft is, this is what it is in round seven. I mean, you're just taking a guy that, that could play special teams or maybe develop into a, a contributor on some level. You're not looking for a superstar here. So this, any, are you scrolling down? Okay. Let me yeah. See. I was scrolling down. I was looking at Chris Rumpf at a Duke, to be honest, an edge that yeah, I don't think is going to last reason this I'm, long. The reason I'm not going to go there is because I've already, I've already yeah. gone edge, and, and I don't think Rumpf won't be available here. I can almost promise yeah. you that. But 
where do I go? What, what would you do here? Would you take a guy that has a chance to be an excellent return man? Or would you take a guy that has a chance to mold into a good, because this is our last pick, I assume. It is our last pick. Uh, would you take a guy that has a chance to be a great return man? Or would you take a tackle that you could maybe mold on day three? At this point, I'm probably taking a tackle because odds are that this guy is still on the team in 2023 or 2024 are pretty low. So if you can maybe <laughs> mold a position of need versus trying okay, to then just... I'm going to have fun here. I'm, I'm going to go with, with Larnell Coleman. He is an offensive tackle out of the University of Massachusetts. Now, what draws me to, to Larnell Coleman? A couple of things. Um, he has the longest arms out of any tackle in the draft. Wow. 36-inch arms, greater than 36-inch arms. you almost never seen anything like it. 36-inch arms. It's unbelievable. So this is a guy that played at Massachusetts. He's met with the Titans virtually. They have shown some interest in him. Uh, I know that they're going to like him. Uh, go back to the Google result there. I found that hilarious. I just, I just, I just had a moment. I think I, I, all those top stories, I guarantee you, got my name in them, right? Kegs wire, cards wire, because I reported the other day that those teams met with him. So if you There's click on them, they'll say the draft network's <laughs> Justin Mello. I almost, there, yep. there it is. <laughs> your tweets. But Larnell Coleman, 36-inch arms. I mean, what's not to like? They ran a similar offense in Massachusetts to what Tennessee runs. He's met with the Titans virtually. I didn't get my tackle earlier, right? I didn't get Spencer Brown, unfortunately. I didn't get Jalen Moore like I wanted. I feel good about taking Larnell Coleman here and, and, and trying and, and try to develop and mold him because I love the traits. Uh, you know, arm length is so important. I don't think fans always realize it. The NFL draft personnel, GMs, they put a ton of emphasis on arm length. It is important. to. There are certain teams that you can't be a tackle prospect for them unless you hit a certain threshold on the arm length uh, measurement. So this guy's got the longest arms in the draft. I mean, that excites me in round seven. Give me Larnell Coleman. Nice. Well, that'll do it. We did it. We did a seven-round mock draft. Did you That's make a pick? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I am just going to take your word for it and also pick Larnell Coleman. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, you could have gone with the other guy that I that I looked up there because I'll talk about him real quickly. I had you typing in was Keenan Wangwu, the rece- uh, sorry, the running back out of Iowa State. What excites me about him, uh, and, and shout out to Dane Brugler. I got to be honest. It, you know, he turned me on uh, to, to Keen because he put him on a top 10 sleeper list, opened my eyes. I ended up tracking down uh, him and interviewing him because I was so intrigued by the story. This is a guy that was unfortunately stuck behind some good running backs at Iowa State. David Montgomery and Brees Hall, two terrific players mm. that put up massive numbers. The opportunity just wasn't there. But what did he do when he touched the ball? 5.2 yards per carry. They just didn't give him a ton of carries, but the production was there. He averaged almost 30, uh, sorry, he averaged almost 27 yards per kick return. He was electric in the kick returning game. Excellent guy, really smart player. I enjoyed my interview with him. It hasn't published yet, but it will within the next couple of days. He understands the game at a high level. He's a guy that can come in, be an excellent special teams player. And I think there's a lot of untapped potential there as a running back. So watch out for him at the next level. All right, well, Let's review the classes that we got here because we both completed seven-round mock drafts here. We did it together, dueling mocks, if you will. You came away with, in the first round, cornerback Caleb Farley, wide receiver Diami Brown, edge Peyton Turner, interior O-lineman Trey Smith, safety Talanoa Hufanga, edge, or sorry, inside linebacker Charles Snowden, 
wide receiver Cornell Powell, cornerback Tay Gowan, and offensive tackle project Larnell Coleman. So interesting haul there for you. Did not really address the the tackle position very early. Did not get to that tight end position. That's something that you learn when you do mock drafts, where guys are going, how things are going to fall. But I still think, you know, this class you got is a pretty is full of playmakers, impact guys, and developmental guys. Uh, anything you want to say about it before I go over to what I've what I've got? I mean, I'm 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 pretty happy with that class that I was able to, to put together. And of course, this is all for fun and games. But we had a fun little scenario running here. I didn't expect to maybe go linebacker. I didn't know that I would, you know, double down at, at corner and receiver, but I really like the players that I got in, in, in those spots. So um, I'm happy with it overall. And, 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 you know, I think got some guys, even, you know, even safety and linebacker, Charles Snowden, Talanoa, Hufunga, I wouldn't have targeted those positions if I didn't love the players. I think both of them are, are, are very interesting prospects that could fit what the Titans are trying to do. So re- uh, really happy with how this turned out. Nice. And in my haul, I also took cornerback Caleb Farley. Second round, I grabbed uh, Joseph Osai, outside linebacker out of Texas. Wide receiver Tylan Wallace in the third. Interior O-line Trey Smith, just like you. Cornerback slash safety hybrid slot corner Sean Wade. Edge Rashad Weaver. Wide receiver Cornell Powell also. Wide receiver running back returner Demetric Felton. And tackle project Larnell Coleman. If I had to do this over again... Might look back in that second round where I took Osai and maybe look at a, a Tommy Tremble or one of those playmaking tight end guys, knowing now that I got Rashad Weaver, you know, in the in the fifth, one, two, fifth round, I think, and knowing that there were other edges available. Peyton, you got Peyton Turner in the third. I mean, there were edges pretty much throughout the draft that we like as as at least developmental guys. So that's probably what where my do-over would be. Or maybe I'd look at Alex Leatherwood there. I remember he was on the board in the second round just because we didn't really get that tackle. So we're putting a lot of faith in Kendall Lamb here with this draft. <laughs> yeah, we both are. Uh, but, you know, this tight end class, it's interesting to me that you say that, right? Because I think it's super early. I don't think I'm taking a tight end in the second round unless it's the kid from Penn State, right? I don't think I would take Tremble, Brevin, Jordan. That's early for those guys. I, and, and it didn't work out for us in this scenario, but I am very confident that if the Titans want to take a, t- a tight end in the third round, that there's going to be a really good one available. Whether it's Tremble, whether it's Brevin Jordan, whether it's a, it, it's Hunter Long, I think one of those tight ends is going to be available in the third round, if not all of them, truthfully speaking. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on draft week. And I, we're official, well, we're recording this on Thursday. We're officially two weeks away. I'm excited about it. And, uh, and yeah. keep up with my big boards on broadwaysportsmedia.com because I'll be dropping my 150 in a couple of days. Right. And just to re- just to just to talk about those tight ends in this particular mock draft, they did go in the third round. Brevin Jordan went 70th overall, Tommy Tremble 73rd overall, and Hunter Long went one pick after our first third round pick at 86th overall. So Right. And I I told you I was thinking about him. I thought about yeah. Hunter there at 85, but I couldn't pass up. I think it was Peyton Turner I took there, and I couldn't pass yep. up on Peyton. But I, I would love to see Titans somehow come away with that combination of players. If you can get a guy like a Tommy Long and a Spencer Brown in the third round or and a Peyton Turner, I, I, what a win that would be, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we did it. We got through everything. This is a long, pretty long pod. I think we're going to be close to an hour and a half here. But uh, we had a lot to get through talked about those news items we had a great interview with former tight end former titans tight end ben troop and we got through a seven round mock dueling mock style 
I'm gonna post both of these mocks in the in a tweet below the sh official show announcement tweet, and I want everyone out there to come at us, hit us in those mentions, and tell us who had the better draft. You can do that in Justin's mentions at Justin M underscore NFL. Of course, I'm Titans Film Room. Again, follow our special guest on today's show, Ben Troop at Ben Troop 84 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And that'll do it for this particular show. Again, we'll be back next week. We're going to go through Mello's big board next week as we get ready for the draft. And then the following week, I mean, we may have to talk about this off air, but depending on how the schedules go, probably going to be recording on Thursday night, which is the night of the first round. So we'll be reacting to the Titans first round pick, talking about the guys who are still on the board and who we look, who are looking at day two and three. So that's two weeks away. Next week, we're going through Mello's big board which will probably be expanded to 150 maybe 200 by the time we get to record that so come back next week for more draft talk we will be here be sure you're following the show at mca broadway and you know give us a little subscribe hit that little subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast we're trying to grow we're trying to get more subscribers and find help new people find the show so please do that for us if you enjoy what you're hearing other than that, you got to check out broadwaysportsmedia.com. Justin mentioned his big board. We've got articles up there, podcast, video, live streams. Soccer guys are live streaming all the time. They had your boy on the other day, didn't they? They had a Canadian. Yeah, they had a Canadian. I love to see it, man. Guy plays for Nashville SC and the Canadian national team. And I believe Alistair Johnson is his name. So that was super cool of them. And, and quickly, I'm glad that you invited our listeners into the mentions because I was about to say that. If you're listening to this, I want to hear from you. I want to know whose mock draft you think was better. And if you say Justin Gravers, I might block you. So we'll see what happens. But come in the mentions. Let us know what you think. Test him. I dare you guys. Test him. See if he really will block you. Tell him my draft was better. All right. I, will, I won't do it. I'm a friendly Canadian. There's no <laughs> chance I'm going to block you. Right. Yeah. Canadians don't block people. Come on. All right. That'll do it for the show. We'll be back next week. Until then, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.